Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. In our last message, uh, we continued seeing, because we started this um, look into uh, the different responsibilities that we have as Christians, the last part of uh, chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians kind of gives us a list of different responsibilities that we have as Christians. And the last two that we saw in this, uh, in this section was, number one, we have no right to repay evil with evil. And again, the, the flesh's natural tendency is to, to strike back or to repay. And so, but we don't have that right as the children of God. We are to render no evil, uh, not render evil for evil. And then point number two was we have every reason to rejoice evermore. And we talked about our circumstances. We'll talk about it a little bit more tonight, but we have every reason as the people of God to rejoice evermore. And so uh, I want to move forward in these and see what else God has for us. So let's pray and we'll jump right into it. Father, thank you again for this time. Thank you for your word and this opportunity we have to open it. And uh, Lord, this week that we kind of set aside in uh, our schedules to remember the goodness and the blessings, Lord, to be thankful. Um, Lord, we ask that you would help us to um, really be uh, sensitive to the many, many blessings that you have poured out in our lives. Uh, it's so easy to get swept away in the bad and the negative, uh, but God, you've been so good to us. Uh, even if we're in a really difficult spot or a really bad place, uh, God, we have so much to be thankful for. And um, so help us with that, God. And I pray that uh, you would use me not as, as just a vessel to speak what you want spoken, uh, that my lips would just pour out your heart, and every single one of us would uh, grab from this what we need and what um, helps us and what glorifies you. And I pray that we'd respond rightly to it as well. And um, again, we thank you for this. We ask and pray all of it in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the most uh, maybe difficult commands for us, I think, to um, both understand and follow is found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Uh, many of you know what it says. It's really short, but it says, pray without ceasing. Now, that is an interesting thought because immediately when we look at that command, it sounds like a, a, a good religious thing to do, a right thing to do, pray without ceasing. Yeah, we should be praying all the time. But then when you say, okay, I'm supposed to follow, this is a command, pray, it's imperative. You pray without ceasing. How does that happen? How am I going to pray literally without ceasing, not stopping? How does that happen? Um, now, in our vernacular, again, this can be hard because we think of without ceasing that um, there's no way that I can stop if I'm to follow this. If, I, if I'm to pray without ceasing, that means I will pray nonstop without ceasing. Um, a perpetual thing. But what does this word ceasing mean? Well, it comes from the Greek word that's derived from another Greek word, which many Greek words are done uh, like that. We look at the word and we say, okay, this is what this means, but it comes from this word, and that's what this word is. It means permanent in the root word. So the, the word that it's derived from means it's a permanent fixture. So when we think pray without ceasing, that's to be something that is done in permanence. We are to do this permanently. But it means this in its actual definition. 
without omission, and continual. So we are to pray in a way that we don't omit praying. And we are to pray in a way that is continual. So how do we reconcile that in our lives where we have jobs and families and, I mean, let alone sleeping? I mean, how are we to pray without ceasing if if we sleep and we work and we eat and, and, and there's other things that are going on in our life, how is this reconciled? Well, someone once said that this word in the Greek is the same word that's used for a hacking cough. A hacking cough. So what, what do we, we kind of think or say whenever we hear somebody have that hacking cough? I know like, when, like if my girls have that, uh, that's exactly what I, here's what I think. I think, man, that poor girl... She just can't stop hacking. She just can't stop. Just continually hacking, 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 hacking. And again, the same thing for us. Whenever we are dealing with a hacking cough, that's exactly what we say. Man, I cannot stop coughing. I just am coughing all the time. I can't stop it. And so again, it's as, as often as possible, continuing as often and whenever possible. That's what this word means. So the emphasis is staying on this constant, continual fellowship with God as much as possible without stopping. As we live from day to day, we're to try to stay in this connected situation with God even when we're concentrating on other things. When our concentration of praying is broken, we're still trying to maintain that connection even through tasks and responsibilities that we have. You know, you, you think about this. A police officer, a firefighter, or um, a military personnel, they have to be very concentrated. In some situations, it's life and death. And so in those moments, they have to be focused on their training. They have to be focused on what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to react. And so in those moments, again, how is something like this reconciled? I think it's reconciled, biblically speaking, by us just trying to maintain as intimate a connection with God, even in the task and responsibilities that he has for us to do. That's what his desire is. His desire is that we would be thinking of him at all times. Again, it's a tough situation whenever you're doing something that's critical, life, life critical, um, but that's what God, he wants us to be Thinking about him all times. That's what Colossians chapter 3 says that we're supposed to be doing everything as unto him in verse 17. It says, Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. And then verse 23 it says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. So even in our jobs, even in our task, we are to approach them in a way that would glorify the Lord. We are to approach them in a way where we try to maintain communion with God even in the doing even in the working. Again, I, I, there are going to be times, doubtless, that there are breaks in that, that concentration of prayer, in that, that connection with God through prayer. Uh, but we are to try to revive that connection and re, you know, reinstate that connection as much as possible. So with this, a, a question came to my mind. Where do we get off as believers? Like, where, where do we kind of get off track and, and, and lose focus and, you know, just get off, get off the, right, the, path, the right path? 
I believe it's when we start leaving God out of things. The opposite of what we just saw. When we start saying, I, I have to do this for eight hours a day and I can't think about God, I can't talk about God, I can't connect with God while I'm doing this, and I think that's where we can get off track. We may engage even in the stuff that God has or the stuff that we do for God, but we may not be engaged with Him or really engaged for Him. You know, it's like this. You can come to a church service and you can sit in it, and you can even go through the motions of the song. You can be associated with the stuff of God, but not be connected with God. And I think all of us can probably say, I've, I've been there before. And, but that can happen in our daily lives, too. What I'm saying is the Scripture tells us that He wants that connection with us, that intimate connection, at all times. He wants it all the time. And so at any moment that that connection is broken, I believe God, according to His Word, the way He's commanded us, is eagerly awaiting for us to revive that connection as soon as possible. And as long as we go minutes and hours, and unfortunately for some of us, days and weeks and months, and heartbreakingly, sometimes I think we neglect that connection, sometimes even years. Again, we may be going through the motions. We may be associated with the things of God. We may, all those things may be there, but really not connecting and not communing the way that God wants us to do as he commands in his word. When we start walking in the flesh versus walking in the, the spirit, that's when we really mess it up. Again, that's where we get off track when we lose the connection with God. We have no hope of walking in the spirit when we don't have that connect, continual fellowship with God, that continual connection with God. There's, there's no hope that we have with that. So here, here's, here's the truth. Prayer is that tool, that connecting tool that enables us to have that continual fellowship, that enables us to walk in the Spirit versus walking in the flesh. And so that's why prayer is so vital. It's that resource that God has given to His creation as a means to connect with Him, the creation of all, the Creator of all things. And when we neglect that, or when we're not faithful in this tool, in this resource of praying to God, we slide down a slope that often leads to misery. And that's the sad truth, because when we, here's the, here's the truth, you can maintain um, the status quo in, in your Christian life, if you will, but you'll not thrive and experience the great spiritual blessings that God has in store without this great tool of prayer being enacted. Not only that, I believe, again, it's just a slippery slope to misery if we're not communing with God. Communing with, with God is not just praying over our food or praying that God would protect us as we sleep. It's having this connection, this intimate connection with God. And I want to remind you, I've said this before, the harder things to do in our life as Christians are usually the spiritual things to do. The spirit-pleasing things. The easier things to do are typically the fleshly things, the fleshly-pleasing things. That's why they're easier, because they please our flesh. And this is kind of hard to, to understand sometimes, but whether we are doing something or not doing something, it's easier just to go about our days doing our own thing, going according to the course of our flesh. Seems to be easier. But in the long run, we actually make it harder on ourselves. 
If, if, if you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know that this is real. If you've, if you've tried to do it on your own and you've neglected this, this tool of prayer for any space of time, or you've neglected the Word of God or the Word of God and prayer for any space of time, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You become this, it's easier to do that. It's easier to be lazy or complacent as far as our spiritual walk with God. Again, that's pleasing to the flesh. It's easier to go day to day like that. But in the end, you find yourself in a place that you're absolutely miserable if you're a child of God. And then at that place, sometimes it's like, man, I don't know how I'm going to get back to that. I don't know how I'm going to get back to a right fellowship. Right now, I feel so far away from God. I feel so disconnected that, that when I pray, it feels like my words are just so empty. And when I open up God's word, it, it just seems like it's, it's, it's letters on a page. It's not, it's not doing anything. Again, a very miserable place to be. And so, while it may be easy not to do the spiritual things, it's a path to, that leads to misery. It's more difficult Listen to these words. As a disciple, to be disciplined in our lives and do the spiritual things. But the payoff is always worth it. When we do that, when we stay true to walking in the Spirit and doing those things that we are supposed to be doing spiritually, what do we find? We find joy that gives us strength, regardless of the circumstance. We find that peace that passes all understanding, even in the midst of a storm. We find help in our time of need. And not only that, we gain this sweeter fellowship with our Lord and with his people. The truth is this. I've seen people try to muddy their way through the spiritual engagement with God and do it in the flesh. And it's almost evident outwardly their connection with God and the body has suffered because of that. We can't do it in our flesh. We can't do spiritual things in the flesh. We've got to do it in the spirit. We've got to walk in the spirit. And so when we stay engaged in this sincere prayer, praying, connecting, communing, Again, while it may, may be more difficult in the moment to stay disciplined and say, you know, I need to stay connected with God, but my mind, our, our culture, the way that the internet is and, and, and cell phones and technology and, 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 and the speed of life, I've got to have all these things going on and God is just wanting us to, to stay connected with him. He's wanted us to stay connected so, so that we can walk in that spirit, experience all the great blessings that come along with that. And so that's why it's so vital. Even though it may be difficult in the moment, it's vital. The truth is this. If we could say the word easier in this life, it actually does become easier if we do those spiritual things down the road. I've said this before as well. Everything worthwhile takes time. It takes effort. And most of the time, everything worthwhile takes sacrifice. I mean, think about it. Think about raising kids. Think about uh, a marriage. Think about a successful job. Everything worthwhile takes time effort and sacrifice there are very few exceptions where something is just handed and that's worthwhile that is just the way it is but most things that are worthwhile worth having take time effort and sacrifice to have a full life as a follower of christ 
we have to stay connected with him as much and as often as possible. It's going to take time, it's going to take effort, and it's going to take some sacrifice. So point number one is this. We must stay constant in constant prayer. We must stay in constant prayer. Verse 18 says this, And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Again, I don't know why this still amazes me, just like Sunday night, but we find ourselves going over something that's appropriate for where we are. Uh, I don't know if you get this, but it's the week of Thanksgiving. Sunday night, we were going through Psalms 100, as I said, talking about giving thanks. And then tonight, we're walking verse by verse through this. There's no way to design this. I mean, I guess there is, but I've said this before. It's got to be from somebody way smarter than me. Um, but we are walking verse by verse, and we come to the week of Thanksgiving, and this is one of the verses that we're covering in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you that's a personal thing this is God's will as you are in Jesus Christ for your life that in everything everything he didn't give any exceptions that we give thanks if you look back at verse 16 and 17 it has it's dealing with our time. What are we supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be re rejoicing always or rejoicing evermore. It's a time thing. We're also in verse 17 supposed to be praying without ceasing. We're to be praying continually. So always and continually. Those are time things. Verse 16 and 17 deal with that. Verse 18 moves to our circumstances. So verse 16 and 17 time. Verse 18 circumstances. He says in everything give thanks that's what we're to do with our circumstances what are we supposed to do with our time we're supposed to rejoice evermore and pray constantly what are we supposed to do in every circumstance give thanks as i shared sunday night christians should be the most grateful and most thankful people on the face of this earth it should be resonating from our lives you've heard me say before having an attitude of gratitude that just should be emanating from our lives our coworkers, our bosses, our employees, our, our neighbors, our, our family members, our church family. It, it should be emanating from us all. We are grateful people. We are thankful people. We, we, we have that resonating in us all times because we're the children of God. We have eternal life. That regardless of what goes on in this life, we can in everything give thanks to him. Now, does this mean that we don't feel hurt? Does this mean that we don't feel disappointed at times? Does this mean that we don't experience frustrations? It doesn't mean that. Absolutely, we, we're going to be hurt at times. We, we have feelings. We're going to experience disappointments and frustrations and, and all those things. We're going to have those feelings. But this is speaking to a matter of the heart and a matter of the mind. It's talking about a state of being. It's, it's, it's a matter of how we face and how we deal with those negative circumstances. And that's the difference between pleasing God or missing the boat. How am I going to deal with the circumstances that I, that I face in this life? What's well, God's will in Christ Jesus concerning me that I give him thanks regardless of how bad or how good it is. And you say, I just really have a hard time doing that. 
I have a hard time saying that I'm understanding or, or even practicing when something is absolutely, when, when they say it's, it's cancer or when, when my family leaves or falls apart or when this happens or, or they say this is, this is what is, it, it, your, your kids are into or whatever the case may be. How can I be thankful in those circumstances? Again, it comes from a state of mind and a state of heart. See, when we have knowledge of God's Word, we're equipped. I was sharing with someone this afternoon, knowledge without understanding, though, can be very extremely dangerous. Let me give you an example. There are children in here, and if we walked up to those children who had no understanding of how a firearm worked, which we often hear in the news, it happens. It's at home. They were playing without understanding of how, not only of how it works, but what it's poss- what's capable of doing and how to handle it. Extremely dangerous. The knowledge of the gun, there it is. You can, know, you can know something, but to not understand it, again, can be very, very dangerous. There's a lot of people that have even been Christians for a long time that only have knowledge of what God's Word says. And that's a sad place to be. And the reason why is they have all this knowledge. They're, they're equipped with all of this stuff, but they haven't put into practice those things that they know. They haven't, they haven't said, now I, I, I have this, and this is what God wants me to do, and so I'm going to do this. Or this is not how God wants me to react in this situation. Or this is what God, his, the attitude and the heart that I'm supposed to have in all these, all these situations. Again, to have the knowledge, it, you have to have the knowledge to have understanding. But to have the knowledge only is not a very good thing at all. And that's why this verse is very crucial. So you can hear that verse that we just read where it says, in everything give thanks, and you can know that. God wants me to give thanks in everything. But you can go through circumstance after circumstance and not actually do it because you don't know how. Or maybe even further, you don't know why you should give thanks to God in everything. I think that we probably all have been in a place where we say, I was, I was pretty upset with God. If you've been a Christian for a while, you, you probably, maybe you haven't, but maybe, maybe you were really asking God why. Not questioning because he's God. Maybe you're at that place, you know, I'm a good place there, but I asked God, I just was not happy with, with what was going on. Got to know why. You got to have the understanding. God says to give thanks in everything, but it's not going to be put in practice unless you have the understanding of why you need to give God thanks in everything. So I think that we can miss the understanding in it, and even further, we can miss the wisdom that would govern our lives with this. That no matter what, not only are we operating in this thanks every time that we face something, whether it's good or bad, but we're also encouraging others to give thanks in all things. How can you do this? And, and, and why would I need to give thanks to God and everything? See, when you have the knowledge of this, the understanding, I believe, comes from verses like Romans chapter 8, 28, 
Romans chapter 8, 28 says this, and we know, we have knowledge that all things work together. All things work together. All things, good or bad, mountain or valley, difficult or easy, all things work together for good to them that love God and that are called according to his purpose. So when we understand why that, that we should be giving thanks, and the understanding comes from this knowledge that God uses all things, and he is working all things together somehow in his eternal mind, in that eternal place where he sees the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, and he sees how every part and every piece of the puzzle fits together, and we don't, somehow God is making all of that into this beautiful masterpiece, this fabric of our life. That when we look at it, sometimes there's holes and there's tears and, and, and it's not put together the way that a, a good life is put together. So how in the world, when we look at our life like that, can we give thanks to God in everything? And to know that it's God's will for us to do that. To know that regardless of where we see or understand it, he is working those things together for our good and for his glory. It's for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose and pleasure. And you know how and for what purpose he's using both the good and the bad, the negative and the positive, the mountains and the valleys, the ugly and the beautiful, how, how, how he's... I mean, what is that for? Why does God have to do that? Why does God have to use, why can't he use just the beautiful and just the mountains and just the calm seas? And why can't he just use the good times? Verse 29 says in, 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 that, same, uh, in that same book in Romans chapter 8, it says that he has a predestined plan to conform us to the image of his son. that our lives are to be a very clear representation of our Lord. Amen. Mountains, valleys, storms, calm waters, all are used. Here, here's the key. If we will allow it to be done, Amen. to bring us to that end. The, the mountains, the valleys, all of them, God works them all together to bring us to that image of the Son of God, to be conformed to the image of the Son of God, just as Romans chapter 8, 29 says, if we will yield ourselves to his process and be thankful in all things, regardless of what they are, if we'll be that person and, and have that heart set and have that mindset, God will do that work in our lives. And it'll bring us to a place of completion that James chapter 1 says. If you look at James chapter 1, that's exactly what it says. It says this, my brethren, Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. And then he says this, again, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. The only way that you can count it all joy when you go through various trials is you know that this type of trial brings about patience. Who cares about patience, though? Why is this so important? I don't want to deal with this health problem. I don't want to deal with this family problem. I don't want to deal with this financial problem. Who cares about this? But if you'll let patience have her complete work through all of this, you'll be complete and entire, and you won't lack anything. 
Think about that. That's what we all want. We want to come to that place of spiritual maturity where we, we, we aren't affected by the trials like, like maybe we were when we were less mature of a Christian. We, we, we want to come to that place where we are living and thriving on the wisdom of God and, and we're having victory in our life and, 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 and the things that maybe was, were sins that were besetting to us earlier in our Christian faith are no longer besetting us anymore, that we're becoming a strong, thriving, mature Christian. That's what we want. If you're truly a Christian, that's what we all want. Nobody wants to be a Christian that's constantly struggling with the same sin. Nobody wants to be a Christian that's constantly struggling to understand and, and know what we're supposed to do. We want to have that knowledge and understanding and thrive as a Christian and be victorious as a Christian. But the Bible says that the only way that we're going to get to that place is by putting ourselves in the sculptor's hands and saying, here I am. I've got rough places. If I'm going to be honest with you, God, I've got a lot of rough places. And you, you have to take that chisel sometimes of circumstances and trials and chisel away at those hard places so that I become looking more and more like your son. But it goes on, it says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given to him. But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering, for he that wavereth is like a, a, a wave of the sea and, uh, with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Again, when we go through trials and we don't have the understanding, we don't have the wisdom that we need to, to go through that, the Bible says ask God. And he'll give it to you. You, you heard me say this recently. Most of the time, maybe it's because we're not being constant in prayer. We're not having that constant fellowship. When we run into that brick wall of that trial and it rocks our world, it's because we weren't in that spiritual walk that we needed to be in. And what is our natural response when we're not walking in the spirit but walking in the flesh? To handle it on our own. And so when we go through that trial and we try to handle it on our flesh, what is one of the things that we don't do? God, I need your wisdom because we're not doing it because we're so used to doing it on our own we're so used to doing it in our flesh that handling in our own power so when we struggle in that we just make it harder on ourselves as we keep going down that path i can deal with it i can handle it i'll do this i'll fix it like that when god's like you're supposed to be communing with me constantly without ceasing you've been walking in the flesh and now you're going through this trial that's supposed to conform you and to shape you into the image of my son so that that you can have a strong victorious life but you're not even asking me what you should do so ask ask god who will give so it's with this understanding that god enables us to give thanks in all things and know again that this is god's will not to be a complainer not to be ungrateful not to be selfish not to be pessimistic not to be that spoiled brat that gets everything we want when we want it. Not to be that pity party patty. Say that fast. And if anybody patty is patty here, that's no offense intended. I don't think there's a patty in here. But to give thanks. To have that attitude of gratitude at all times. To approach everything. To approach every task. Every struggle. Every mountain. Every valley. Everything with thanks. Why? Because ultimately, this, this is true. God's got it. 
Ultimately, God's got it all. He's got it all. He's got us. And so why would we not be thankful to him in all things? You know, it could be the worst thing in this world. And we could just step back from it for a second and say, you know what? Thank you, God. I don't understand the circumstance. I don't, I don't understand why I'm going through this or why we're going through this or why I have to deal with this or why this is such a problem. or why I, I don't understand any of that, but I do understand this because I know this. You're good. And I know that you're doing everything in my life and everything that I go through, you're working it together in some type of masterpiece for my good. And so I thank you. That's why I'm thanking you, God. I don't like this trial. I don't like this feeling. I don't like this hurt. I don't like this disappointment. I don't like this loss. I don't like any of these things. But I still thank you because I know you're good. So number two is this. We must stay thankful through every circumstance. We must stay thankful through every circumstance. What an appropriate thought for the week of Thanksgiving. We must stay thankful, not just for one week, but in every circumstance. Stay thankful. I may not like what I'm going through. This may not be good, but again, God is. Lastly, verse 19, quench not the Spirit. Quench not the Spirit. See, when we refuse to do things God's way, when we walk in the flesh, when we don't rejoice evermore, when we don't pray continually, when we don't give thanks in everything, what happens? We quench the Spirit. We quench the Spirit. Now think about this. The Spirit that has washed us, the very Spirit that invaded our life and, and, and made us a new creature, that took up residence in our vessels, the spirit that convicts us, the spirit that, that uses the word of God, the messages of the messengers of God to, to convince us and to instruct us, that spirit, the same spirit that unites us as a body, we quench him. We quench him. Again, when we refuse to do things God's way, when we walk in the flesh, we don't rejoice evermore, when we don't pray continually, when we don't give thanks in everything, we quench the spirit of the God that has cleansed us, made us new, lives inside us, guides us, teaches us. We quench him. But what does quench mean? What does that mean? What does quench mean? Because we think, well, Gatorade, right? Or something, I think it's Gatorade. Quench your thirst, you know? What does that mean? The word literally means to extinguish. Extinguish. You know those candles that have lids you get from like Bath and Body Works? Thank you. They, they, most of them have lids, right? You go to the store and, they, and, and now they're getting fancy. They all used to be pretty similar, but now they got, I mean, you got marble lids, I guess. And I mean, you got all kinds of colored, you know, different types of lids. But these candles, they have, they have lids. And, uh, you know, at first thought, maybe it's just part of the design, part of the cell. Uh, you, you don't necessarily understand how this works. But here's the truth. When those candles are, are lit, you got to have the lid off. 
And when you light those candles, what do they do? They give a little bit of light, not a whole lot of light. They give a little bit of light, but they also give off a fragrance. They're, they're, they're formed and designed and created to do that, to give off a fragrance and to give off light. But you know what happens the moment that you put that lid on that candle? They go out. So what happens in that moment that that lid gets put on that candle? They stop serving the purpose that they were designed to serve. That moment the lid is put on that candle, it suffocates the oxygen that the fire needs. And they stop serving the purpose that they were designed. They have three, a lot of them have those three wicks. They were designed to burn and to give off fragrance and give off light. You put that lid on there, and it stops that instant. Please listen. Our unwillingness to do things God's way, our demand to operate in our flesh, or to be carnally minded, to be fleshly driven, is the lid in our life that extinguishes the Holy Spirit. In that moment that we operate in the flesh or that we, 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 we go in our own strength or, or that we are unwilling to do things God's way or that moment that we take on a carnal mind, go back to that old nature and start thinking, you know what, they got what they, ca- they had deserved or, or, or you know what, uh, this or that or whatever the case may be, wherever our carnal mind takes us. In that moment, we cease from being and serving the purpose that we were designed to be and to serve. In that moment, that's what happens. And if we were lone wolves, just us alone, it would only affect us. But we're placed in a body, in a family. And that body and that family is affected at that moment as well. Satan's greatest deception in this is this. It's not really a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. No one else is really affected. If you're not doing this, or if you do this, or if you're not willing to do this, if you're not walking, it's not that big of a deal. That's what Satan says. Lie. That's a lie. It's a lie. The body is affected. You know what that means? The kingdom is affected. The kingdom of God is affected. When we, when we don't walk in the Spirit, when, we don't, uh, when we're not willing and, and choosing to obey God and, and, and when we're not doing those things God's way, and we think that operating in our flesh is not a big deal, guess what happens? We're actually aiding the enemy. We're aiding the enemy of God. So, whoa, I don't know about that. That's not what I'm trying to... No, no, no. Listen to what Scripture says. The old man, the old nature. Remember Romans chapter 8? We saw it on Sunday as well. Verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And he explains why. Verse 7, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. What does that mean? The carnal mind is, at host- is in hostility against God. 
To be carnally minded is to be set against the very God of our salvation. The, the king of kings, the king of the kingdom. So to take on a carnal mind is to aid the enemy, is to go over to the other side. Because he says, because it's not subject to, to the law of God, neither indeed it can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So for us to walk in the flesh is to aid the enemy. Paul would go on in chapter 8 of Romans to remind the Roman believers that they were no longer in the flesh, but they were in the spirit. And so to, to go back to that state of mind, carnal mind, to go back to that state of heart, would be to go back to that side that we were pulled away from, that we were redeemed out of. To go back is to go back and help the cause of the enemy. What's his cause? As the father of lies, he's intent on killing, stealing, and destroying. So when we think it's not that big of a deal to operate in our flesh and, and give in to this or do that, guess what? We're, again, we're aiding the enemy in his plan to destroy and kill and steal. What? Or who? Us. Or wh whoever, whatever. Our family. Our church. The things that we hold dear. It happens very subtly. That's how serious it is. But we make this choice. We make the choice to rejoice evermore. We can make the choice to pray without ceasing. We can make the choice to give thanks in everything. To walk in the spirit or to walk in the flesh. A choice. Thereby, we can either keep the, the light burning, the purpose, the fragrance, and the light that we were designed to be in this world, the salt. Or we can extinguish the whole purpose and the whole design of us being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. We, we can extinguish the entire design and purpose of us being the temple of the Holy Spirit when we choose not to do those things. So verse number, number three is this. We must make every effort to walk in the Spirit, to not extinguish the Spirit. We must make every effort to walk in the Spirit and not extinguish the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says this, For brethren, you're not, you've been called to liberty, only use not this liberty, this freedom, for an occasion of the flesh, to do something in the flesh. That's not why we have freedom, is to walk in the flesh. But by love, serve one another. That's why we've been given li liberty. For all the laws filled in one word, even this, here's all the law, he said, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And then he explains, but if you go over in the flesh, you, you go back in the flesh and you start biting and devouring one another, he said, beware, take heed that you don't be consumed of each other. Like a pack of animals attacking and devouring each other. So he says in verse 16, this I say then. Here's the answer to that. Here's the answer to, to, to not doing things in the flesh and not destroying each other. Here's the answer. Walk in the Spirit. And you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the lust of the flesh, um, because the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. So again, it's a choice. Tonight I want to encourage you with that choice. Let's make more of a deliberate effort in our lives to walk in the spirit. 
and to not extinguish the Spirit of God that lives in us, to, to be the light, to be the fragrance everywhere we go. That's a choice, though. Our attitude, our actions, our speech, we all make a choice to either walk in the Spirit or give in to the flesh. I want to ask you to stand tonight. I don't know where you're at or what you're going through. Again, I may know a few circumstances, but I don't know where your heart is. But I want to encourage you to do what I did with this. Take these three points, these three verses. Say, God, I want that to be my life all the time. I want that all the time. I I, I want to pray without ceasing. I, I want to give thanks in everything. And I never want to quench your spirit because I want to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. I, I, don't, I don't want to aid the enemy. I want to thrive in the spirit. And so wherever you're at, I encourage you uh, to respond accordingly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you for these reminders. Thank you even for the conviction, Lord, the, the help, the instruction that you give us in your word through this. Again, maybe it was nothing more than just a reminder for, for most of us or that we should be in constant connection. That, it, that it's so important to give thanks in everything. And Lord, help us to walk in the Spirit. Lord, help us to remember these things and help us respond rightly even right now. We'll praise you for it. We ask and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.